This is Josh Levent, and you're listening to Humans, a podcast for people who want the world to slow down and become more human. Welcome to episode 7. Today, I'm speaking with Laura Corral. Laura is a Swiss political communications expert. She spent three years as the national campaign manager for one of the largest political parties in Switzerland. What makes Laura human is her passion for life and desire to connect with other people. She loves to talk and brings out conversations in others as well. Please enjoy our energetic conversation. And now I bring you Laura Corral. Okay, so welcome to my podcast, Laura. Thank you, Josh. So, yeah, how do we start this? Um, Laura Kurau. Kurau is a retoromanisch surname, you told me before. Your family, originally your grandfather, your whole, your whole dad's side family, your grandmother also comes from? No. no. Just your grandfather. Just my so grandfather. So you are 25% from the canton of Grison. Retor yes. From the Retoromanisch minority of Switzerland. Correct. Which is a really small uh, minority, actually. How many people are there in Switzerland? I think there are 0.5%. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. That are speaking the language as a mother tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a chance to, to, to learn any Retoromanisch? Sadly not. When my grandfather came down from the Alps, from that part mm -hmm. of Switzerland, down to the canton of Thurgau, it was like he was the, the refugee, kind okay. of. So he had to learn German really quick to be integrated. Yeah. So it was not something he gave on to his kids. Yeah. So I don't, I don't speak, yeah. unfortunately. That's a shame. I, actually, um, this is surprising. It was surprising to me when I learned it, and I think it's surprising to a lot of people. But Switzerland was a very poor country uh, until quite recently. So actually, 100 years ago, Switzerland was not that wealthy yet. Um, Correct. The wars were good, in a way, good for us in that sense. What's really sad, but it's the truth. Yeah, because Switzerland was not destroyed during the war like the rest of Europe. Correct. And, and we could, we could um, figure out some... Uh, possibilities to make money throughout and after, right after. Yeah. So. And uh, Switzerland became a trading center, of course, also I think a little bit earlier in the 19th century mm -hmm. with the building, mm -hmm. the first uh, tunnel through the Alps uh, made Switzerland kind of a, 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 tra a trading hub of Europe. Correct. Um, so you grew up in Turgau on the lake, uh, on the shores of Lake Constance. <laughs> correct. <laughs> you, were, you were born actually in a town on the lake. Is that right? Mm -hmm, that's correct. What is it called, the town? Münsterlingen. Münsterlingen. It's, like, it's the hospital there uh -huh. where I um, was born. Okay. And then you, mm -hmm. and then you moved to um, another town in, in Turgau? Like I always lived in Weinfeld and we just went there right. for my birth. Um, because but that's the where the major hospital is. Yes, uh -huh, we don't okay. have a hospital in Weinfelden. Okay, so, so it's a small town. How, how many people live in Weinfelden? Oh, there um, now they just changed their constitution okay. because they became a city. So wow. uh, they're like eleven and a half thousand. Okay, now that's when I was there, it was like eight, eight to eight and a half thousand probably. Okay. That's not that small. Yeah. No, for Switzerland, it's big. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what, what tells a lot about Switzerland when, when such a I was a just thinking, like, says, oh, the wow. town that where we live, we are now in Königs, and it's a, a 40,000, so it's not that much bigger, yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, we, we're basically in the capital. Of course, the capital then has 100,000 uh, 
citizens, I think, but maybe a little bit more. But uh, for a capital, it must be one of the smallest capitals in the world. Probably, yes. <laughs> um, and um, you, you, you were born in 1990. That makes you a millennial, for sure. A digital native. When I'm curious, actually, when when did you get your first phone? Let's go there. Um, so my parents, we are four kids mm -hmm. in a very short time, in three and a half years. Oh, wow. So I have a twin brother and we were the okay. last ones. Uh -huh. And um, we were four years apart in school, all of us. Right. And when my, my brother um, got out of ninth grade, so that's the main school years you have to do in mm -hmm. Switzerland, you're around 15 then. Yeah. He was allowed to have a phone right after finishing those nine years of school. That's your oldest brother? That's my oldest brother, mm -hmm. yes. And he's and three years older than you. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was... Um, so they, they they kept that uh, rule that you have to finish your nine years of school, uh -huh, then okay. you can get a phone. Okay. So I remember that day so well <laughs> <laughs> because a lot, some of the of my class already had one, mm -hmm. and and my grandmother paid me one for my for my school finish, um, for my entering into high school. Yeah. So I was fifteen when I. Cool. What kind of phone was it? It was a Sony Ericsson. It, uh -huh. it actually one had, of the for early smartphones. Yeah, it was. A, uh -huh, mm, wow. No, it was not a. You didn't call that smartphone yet. No, it was not called smartphone, but I guess it, it had a music player on it, or not. Oh, it has like a Walkman. It was yeah. combined with yeah, yeah. a Walkman. I know because system. I know what you're talking about. This is like the K series. Of the yes, Sony and yeah? and okay. it had what was more special actually was it has a two megapixel camera yeah. on it with yeah. with the uh, color pictures that was really special that time yeah. it cost it, it cost 200 swiss francs yeah. and uh, i was really really happy i got that money from my grandmother and i could go and buy it i it was a week before i was already in store to yeah. decide which one uh -huh. then i said i come back next friday because then it's my last <laughs> day of school and i can get it so, so all yeah. of it um and then you figured out which uh which one and then you had this prepaid and mm -hmm. how much money do i have to put on yeah. so yeah it's different than the ones the people the when i see the young people now yeah 12 year olds have oh my goodness yeah. Yeah. and they usually don't like i hear from my brother who is a, a teacher okay that they don't pay any of it by themselves right so I had to figure out how I get them money for those short messages for those calls. Yeah, yeah. And now they just have a plan and it's unlimited. It's unlimited mostly, yeah. and they have internet everywhere and they yeah. do it and have it from a really young age. I so. actually remember, I, I think I got my, my first phone around the same time as well. And I remember there was a glitch on, I, I was probably one of the early, because I was a geek when I was a teenager and I, I was probably one of the early people to start using the, the mobile internet on one of those, on, I think it was a very similar phone. It had a, it had a web browser on it. It was awful to use, but um, you know, it was, I think back then it was called web or something like mobile uh, web application, something it's mm -hmm. like a, yeah. It was the really old phones that had internet, the, you know, the, with the, it was the, the first ones that had color screens actually. Uh, um, and then uh, they, they had internet on them and, um, uh, it but it cost a lot. It was really expensive, um, so expensive. You'd but I, I found I found a bug on it, which was that um, somehow uh, my my balance on my prepaid somehow went to zero, uh, but the internet was not stopped. 
So, <laughs> How cool. in fact, the balance, like with with um, with my, I couldn't use the phone because the phone stopped working, SMS stopped working, and phone calls stopped working. But the internet kept working. But my balance, my prepaid balance, went ne- started going negative, and and I kept using it because I was like, this is really cool, and I can like watch movies and do all sorts of stuff, uh, you know. And at some point, it went to like negative three hundred, and um, I could still receive calls, but I couldn't make them. Um, and I thought that's fine. And 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 after a while, I threw away the SIM card and bought a new SIM card. <laughs> So it was not registered on your name or something? Yeah, no, in yeah, New Zealand, uh, these are kind of, oh, okay. it's um, the, the the way that it's on movies, you know, you get these kind of burner phones. Yes. So in New Zealand, it's like in the US, you don't have to register your name. Okay. Oh, actually, in the US now with the terrorism laws, you yeah, have to also do have it. To. Recently in the US, I was there. and yeah. But um, in New Zealand at the time, I think even today, New Zealand is a fairly a liberal country. It doesn't like to attract people. Although maybe that has also changed in recent years with terrorism laws i don't know but back then they had no idea who i was and uh, i threw away the sim card <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, we always um there was one button on the side mm-hmm. when you got that one mm-hmm. it went into the internet uh-huh. like internet started and right. you that was like the fear yeah, that, that this one <laughs> this one button would take will, all your money take all my money because it's like you said it was so expensive yeah. and it all went away like so quick and yeah. you didn't need it i mean you sent some short messages to sbb to our train company mm-hmm. to get uh, get the information about the trains and yeah. everything you didn't have apps that wasn't yeah. all yeah. not there yet so there was no need you thought there was no need for internet yet, right. but then yeah. it came pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. But let's go back a little bit earlier. Um, uh, bef- do, you, do you have any memories before you started uh, primary school, kindergarten or? Mm-hmm. That's a really hard question. Um, I mean, I have a twin brother mm-hmm. and I have a lot of memories. I sometimes don't know. Do I have them from pictures? Mm, yeah. Do I really have them? Yeah. From, or my parents also had a video camera, so mm. they taped us sometimes. Yeah. Some things I really know from from pictures and videos. What's really nice, so I have some memories from that time. Mm. But if you would ask me, probably I would tell you stories that I've heard somebody told me yeah. or that I know or f- have memories with pictures or videos. Yeah. What is one that comes to you now? Like the moments you take pictures of. It's yeah. it's like... Like a birthday. A birthday, first mm. day of, of kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I, my great-grandmother lived till I was eight. Wow. So I really, I would say I remember moments that we were at her place, at her elderly home, mm-hmm. visiting her. And we have uh, an apartment in Davos, mm-hmm. in the canton of Brison. And we went up there a lot because my parents couldn't afford long holidays mm-hmm. or far away yeah. and we had that apartment from my grandparents for free so yeah. we went up there four times a year or even wow. more yeah. so i remember there first time on my skis um so i think those those moments i have pictures but also it makes something in me yes i, I yeah. kind of have a when did you learn to ski I, I love to ask Swiss people this question because yes. usually it's like at five or yeah, something. Yeah, at least. Um, <laughs> Before you could walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you can walk with 
with two, right? Or one and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. So I think I went first into, you go into school kind of mm -hmm. in your, in those weeks, you, we had a really close by our apartment. Mm -hmm. We had this um, skiing school uh -huh. and uh, I think I went there probably first time with four. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen. I would actually. say, but I would I've, have. I've seen tiny like toddlers on skis yes. in the Swiss Alps. This yes. is crazy. Yeah, but you do that on a really small. Yeah, you start really small, fairly then, flat. Yeah. Yes, yeah. fairly flat, and yeah. but it was so close to our apartment, and all four kids of us went there. And did uh, you have your own little skis, or as a yeah, kid? How does that, yeah. yeah, I mean, we in that apartment were also my. My cousins. Um, a week later, then we um, we were there and stuff, and we could share. They were yeah. same age. Um, yeah. Or we had also those places where people bring their skis. You can get them cheaper, and then mm -hmm. you, next year they they are small, too small again. So you yeah. bring them again. Right. So it was affordable for my parents to get all that. Yeah, for four that, kids. Yeah, for four kids. Yeah, and you know that time we didn't wear helmets yet right now everybody has that's a helmet true. on but we didn't so yeah. it's, it was a bit even a bit less um to to buy but mm -hmm. still um yeah yeah uh, what did you your parents do actually for a living so my dad started in 1990 a company a construction company mm -hmm. that focused on insulation mm-hmm and um that was the moment we were all small kids and mm. he did all by himself started all by himself right. and my mom is a marketing professional mm -hmm. and she worked in several offices um at that time and did some more uh marketing courses took some courses so um from i think when i was Around five, she went back into marketing. Mm -hmm. Before that, she also worked in the company of my dad, did the whole administration mm -hmm. part. And uh, they were also very much involved in several projects like um, fair trade uh, movement yeah. from the 90s, and like 80s, early 80s till 90s. So yeah, they were uh, crazy involved. And How did they raise four kids doing all of that? I don't know. I that's what I ask myself, and I'm in the age now, exactly now, um, that my mom was when I was born. Right. Um. So when when the two of us got, were born, my brother and I. So having now at home a three and a half year old, a two years old, and two newborn twins, I can't imagine. Yeah. And starting a company. Yeah. I mean, they had help. My mom always says in that moment, she learned to receive help, like to, to accept help. Yeah. Um, so if somebody offered, yeah. I could something and something to say, yes, that's thank a, you. And yeah. just accept help. That's a wonderful lesson. Yes. To learn. Do you feel like you can do that now as an adult, having kind of watched the example and heard the, that story from your mother? still have a hard time yeah. accepting help because it also our culture teaches us to be very independent I think. yes you have to be independent um to get help or to to accept help means also you can't do it by yourself yeah. so you have to accept first 
not to fail it's not a fail like you, you have to focus it's fine to yeah. not being able to do everything by yourself yeah. you have to kind of accept your limitations yes right. correctly and i think that's a something for especially for people who are good learners fast learners who know if i take some days i will be able to do it by myself yeah. to just say no um, i don't have to be able to do everything yeah um i have to put myself limits or take the limits somebody gives me like time yeah energy mm. and then uh, yeah you i i already learned my lesson on that too mm -hmm. but i'm still still on it i don't have four kids besides so <laughs> it's <laughs> to so, compare so, it with my mom it's a bit yeah um, so you, yeah. you what you need is four kids and then you will learn <laughs> it really <laughs> you will learn it um all right so uh, yeah. probably yeah yeah it's true it's interesting you know i think this is a very deeply philosophical argument like do you need certain kinds of challenges to learn to, to grow as a person yes. and uh, i think you don't necessarily need them they help And, uh, and hopefully you can learn all the things you want to learn without without having all the challenges that, that other people have. Um, I think there's a great quote from John Kenneth Galbraith. He wrote a book called The Affluent Society. And he wrote that the character building that results from uh, poverty is surely overstated. We shouldn't say that poverty is a good thing because it builds character. This is, uh, this is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Which leads us into, into politics, um, <laughs> straight there. <laughs> you were politically active as a, as a teenager. When did that start? So I'm, I'm from a really politic family. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was in in my city, in Weinfeld, and he was one of the ministers, kind of. Right, on the local council. Yeah, on the yeah. local council, correct. Yeah. And... So I was always in, involved there and my mom was in politics, um, more on the, always on the party level. Right. So, um, and my brother, he was the president of the youth party of our canton in that, that time. What was the party? Um, it's a Christian democratic people okay. party and mm -hmm. that was the youth party of, um, mm -hmm. of them. Your, and, which brother? Um, the big brother, the like brother. the, the tall, yeah, the older brother. Mm -hmm. And then he always tried to get me into into the party. And I was right. like, oh, I wait till I'm 18, till mm -hmm. I can vote. Mm -hmm. And then I waited, but the day I was 18, I, I said, okay, give me that uh, that thing. I will be a member and what can I do? Yeah. Uh, because when I go, go into something, I want to be involved. I don't want to be a passive something on a list. Mm -hmm. So I... Um, I was involved in, in the youth party and did several projects. And yeah, mm -hmm. that was my start. But I was already, in my mind, I was already fully in politics. So, right. yeah. And this, so your whole family was in the Christian Democrats? Correct. Was that something that also came from your grandparents? Or was that something that your parents started? My grandfather on my mother's side was um, in the parliament of Turgau. Uh -huh. But I, I didn't know that till a bit later okay. <laughs> um but yeah it was um always i think my grandmother was in the parliament of her city when i was young yeah oh, wow. correct i remember that so yeah there were role models and it was always the party was always a bit there and if you go 
went to a, an event after party. There were family members there yeah. and you felt, yeah, it was a bit of family party for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, it was always the right party also in my mindset, mm -hmm. but it was also my family's party. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of my listeners won't know that much about Swiss politics. How does it break down? Can you tell us the main parties and, and kind of how it is also in different cities in, 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 in Weinfeld and in Turgau in Switzerland in general? So the, 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 the parties? The yeah, party and how, how popular they are because so, of the Christian Democrats. Yes. So here in Bern, there are not existing. Okay. Um, but uh, in the Catholic states, um, we are very much... Um, coming from there because we okay. were the Catholic party in the, uh -huh. in okay. earlier um, years. And then they, they um, got together with other Christian parties okay. together to the Christian Democrats. And in Turgau, they were always around 30%. They're now mm -hmm. like down on 14 okay. um, because other parties went up, like yeah. especially the, the Swiss, um, the Swiss party. people's party. Yeah. The whole rights party, um, they took a lot of um, voters in, yeah. in Turgau also from us. Yeah. Um, in Weinfeld, it's more a liberal city. Okay. So the, the liberals are very strong. Mm -hmm. Also, this was People's Party uh, and then it's us. Like we're in Turgau, we're the third biggest party. Mm -hmm. So in, nationally in Switzerland, there's four parties the big four big parties correct we're number or is four. there really five five the there's there's the let me just cut and see if i can listen there's the liberals which are the kind of uh, libertarian almost party yes there's with the 16 percent there's the christian democrats which are cent a centrist christian party there's the socialist party 20 percent and then there's the um the people's party with around 30 and then there's eight, the, the how do you call it in english the farmers party the farmers the b b b uh, bdp no it's a the bourgeois um kind of a liberal democratic party okay. in a way they they used to be most of their members used to be members of the swiss people's party but then oh, when okay. they became whole whole right and against refugees against uh, immigrants mm -hmm. they they built a new party okay, so, so they're the liberal democrats they're liberal democrats right that they are pretty small they are like around four oh, okay. percent and then we have the other smaller ones that the greens are bigger than the are the biggest of the smalls mm -hmm. with around eight mm percent -hmm. And then we have another with four or five. It's the Green Liberals. Right. This is pretty unique yes. in Switzerland. I don't know if there's other countries that have two Green parties. <laughs> yeah, it's also it also a bit historical. It, it a lot of members of the Green Liberals used to be by the, with the Greens. Yeah. The but founders. They and didn't then, agree with the sort of socialist aspect of the Green politics. And uh, they were more economically liberal. liberal. Yeah. They didn't want to have all like all the economics are bad and yeah. the globalization is bad. So um, that's so. interesting. So I, I was part of the Green Party in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and I think I, I I think I also can consider myself more like a green liberal. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like I've heard like really awful things being said about green liberals in Switzerland. So I don't know if they really align with what I believe. But I think you know I think yeah, climate change is a real problem and we need to solve it, but not by but but with with economics and with the market. And there's right. a lot of actual market based solutions. Um, but, so yeah, um, those are a bit the big parties that are also represented 
in our um, parliament mm -hmm. nationally. And you sort of also mentioned kind of the division. So if I understand it correctly, the Christian Democrats are better represented in the Catholic cantons and um, the Swiss People Parties, I think, is represented generally by more rural areas. Mm -hmm. um, in the cities, you tend to have more the, the socialists, socialists and the, also the liberals, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so and I think moves, also in the, moves, in the French yes. cantons, I guess you have more also more socialists. Yes, correct. They're a bit more socialist. Um, and also that the inside of the liberals, for example, or inside of the Swiss People Parties, you find the differences between the areas. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you talk to a Swiss People Party person from the rural area of Bern, you have a different conversation than with somebody, with a Swiss People Party person from Zurich. Yeah. So you have, um, yeah. So the right. Thurgau Swiss um, Christian Democrats were my home. Yeah. Do you feel that yeah. uh, Christian Democrats in other parts of the... Cause, okay, so actually let's come back to this yes. because um, the, the, you, you later worked for the Christian Democrats full-time in mm -hmm. your job, but that was many years later. Um, actually, I want to even go before before high school. Mm -hmm. uh, you went to primary school also in, in Weinfelden? Correct. Um, what kind of primary school was that? Mm, it was the closest one to my <laughs> home. <laughs> um, How many people are there? Oh, there are like two classes every year okay so there were Relatively 12 small. classes um with 23 kids Gr grade one to grade six is that normal primary Correct. school in switzerland or yes okay. normal primary school from grade one to grade six and it was the same school my my siblings went mm -hmm. and you are three years with the same teacher and then you change so um um it was nice um i think i had a good time i was always a very good student mm -hmm. um i got bullied a lot also there that makes made it a bit hard but school wise teacher wise um i i had a good time i okay. think yeah would you be willing to share a little bit more about the bullying um yeah what what what, what kind of bullying was it and it was mostly so i was a very intelligent kid mm -hmm. And I had, I I could figure out everything at school. It was so easy. I did, never had homework because I could do everything in class. Mm -hmm. And that um, I was not ready to, how to deal with that in a social way. Okay. I was overwhelmed with um, social interaction mm -hmm. things. I always had my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, there were just some, and I was like the one with the, I, I didn't have glasses yet, but mm -hmm. you had like several people that, that were for bullying or that could be the, um, the targets, the bullying. targets, mm -hmm. correct. So and you, you, I was the one because I was so intelligent, probably. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I dressed like I wanted mm -hmm. because at the home I was, they always gave me the feeling that I always give to my parents all the love for that, that I can wear what I want. I can, mm -hmm. I look good the way I look. I, mm -hmm. I am amazing the way I am. Uh, my skills are cool and uh, are good and I can be proud of that. Yeah. And at school, it was a different thing. Yeah. So um, it was like, I wore one of my favorite dresses that looked like I'm, 
for school uh, that was really, really shiny and I looked like a princess in it. Mm-hmm. And my mom allowed me to wear it, yeah. but it didn't fit into his classroom. Right. It was so, for now, when I think now back, how could I? But right. in that moment, I wanted to wear that dress. And my mom said, if you want to wear that dress, wear that dress. Right. But then at school, it, it and you really stood collapsed out. kind of. Yeah. It was not... Did you change? Yeah. Did you stop wearing uh, kind of? Afterwards, I changed that dress. I didn't right. wear again because they, yeah, they, they talked about, oh, whatever. I don't know. You, do you want to marry somebody? And then mm-hmm. they, whatever. It was embarrassing because yeah. they, um, yeah, um, I didn't feel comfortable in the dress. I felt comfortable at home. Yeah. And I was like, why? And I put all the attention on me even if I didn't want to do right I didn't want to have that tension but I wore a dress that took all the attention on yeah. it think like that I couldn't figure those things out I mm-hmm. couldn't at home I couldn't say oh if I wear that dress all in white glitter on it I look like a princess everybody will look at me right and do I want that I was not at that point so um think yeah, like and, that or mm-hmm. I was not a good, I, I don't know, I wasn't target for a sports day. That was a bit the hardest thing. Sports days of the whole school. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes had choirs. They mm-hmm. put my name into songs okay. um, that were not nice. And mm-hmm. um, and they sang it on, on spot at the sports days. Wow. Um, the teacher didn't stop they, them? They were overwhelmed. Wow. It, bullying was not a topic yet. Yeah. Now they have like special force, anti-bullying programs. Yeah. Yeah. They discussed that. And the other thing was the teachers didn't worry that much because they thought Laura is the strong girl, intelligent. She can figure that out. Yeah. I was not weak in any way. My teachers didn't see me weak right. just on the social level. That is the hardest level, kind yeah. of, because yeah. um, so that was a bit of a hard time. Mm. I went home crying a lot after those sport days were really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Did it change the way that you approached social situations later in life? I think in politics or in, in other places, I could be myself afterwards. Mm. In those, I was in the choir where I was allowed to be good. Mm-hmm. In politics, I was allowed to speak up and yeah. say something, and I got a an applause for for doing a good speech yeah. um, because they were they were the older ones that looked to me and said, "Wow, this young girl can is really good already with her yeah. age," cool. and that changed a bit. Um, that that gave me the confidence of you're allowed to be good. Yeah, and in the on the social level. I surrounded myself uh, with people who are honest to me and who don't want the fame or something. Um, because the problem was I was always always friends with the most popular girls at school okay. or in class. Okay. So it's always a bit of a hard point. That, okay, you are the one that's not popular, but your friend, because she's living your, she lives on your street and you mm-hmm. yeah you walk together to school uh, she's the popular one so it was always very a bit strange. hard yeah. it was very strange yeah, yeah. so um, your your, your yeah. friend was was getting the positive attention you were getting the negative attention yeah kind of yeah, yeah. but there were always other friends around her you know okay. everybody wanted to be friends with 
those uh, girls. So yeah, it was it was an up and down in my primary school, and then in secondary school, so seventh to ninth grade, um, it it was also hard sometimes because there, you know, you have to. I was so I never had. I had my clothes from my my sister, and I had no sense of style. Mm-hmm. No, when I see the pictures, I'm like, "What <laughs> did I wear then?" And it was uh, the nineties, I think. It was the nineties, yeah, right, uh, like beginning twenties. But yeah, I was I was even worse than everybody else. <laughs> okay. But I I was still not that sensitive about how people. What's a good thing, I think, also what mm. people think about me. Yeah. Which is a very, I think that's but, a little bit unusual in Switzerland. I think a lot of people are very, very concerned about what other people think about them. This is, I mean, not just in Switzerland, everywhere, really. I mean, I, mean, uh, I did in a way. I yeah. wanted to be good. I wanted to be, I always liked attention. I was the lead singer of the band in the secondary school. I was, um, I was a class speaker, things like that, but it was always um it was it always had two sides um because you got the recognition of the good ones um that felt like you do a good job and you mostly they were the ones that were not as good they were jealous and try they knew where to trigger me like where to to make put me down and they did it so I think I was also kind of bullied, uh, not in primary school. It was it started later when we, when we because I was nine when we moved to New Zealand, and then I was this geeky kid with a, a thick accent when I first got there. That's why my accent is still very strange today, um, <laughs> uh, because I, I think I was always very self conscious of it, and um, because kids would tease me about it, and and I think my character has developed that I have a very strong sense of defiance. I really don't like to be told what to do, how to do things. Um, uh, I, I really don't like authority figures. I have a very, this very strong sense of defiance. Do, do you feel like something similar developed in you? Not, no, I would not say that in that way. I, also with my mom together, she was a really big help for me. I told myself when I started with politics and everything, I proved them that I go further than than them with my skills with what I can do mm-hmm. um, that was um, something I I started or what I took out of it but also yeah I'm, I have a big fear of rejection mm-hmm. on the social level mm-hmm. so people don't like me take me wrong take my personality wrong in a way that they that I'm a really really sensitive person but I can be really unsensitive in a way. Like somebody on the other side can feel like you come in like an elephant into the room and uh, you don't listen to us. But um, that's a bit, um, my personality doesn't mean that I'm not emotional or not sensitive. Um, Yeah, so that was a bit the thing that made it hard for me. I was strong on the one side, but very sensitive and weak and that I'm still, I'm still. And I... I tried to not show, I think I stopped in some ways showing that I'm so sensitive, being mm-hmm. strong, 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 and don't let things come too close to me, Yeah. To just as a protection. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that um, that experience with bullying made you more sensitive to other people uh, who, who were bullied or who had, you know, who were not kind of accepted socially? Yes. 
um, especially at work mm -hmm. also, um, when people talk behind backs yeah. and, and don't talk to the person directly, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. And I try to, did you talk to that person? That's always my first question when I hear something yeah. from somebody. Um, did you write him an email? Did you tell him that end of the face? What I know is sometimes really hard, but tell them. Um, yeah. And because I, I, I always was in fear that people talk behind my back. And I yeah. knew they do. Yeah. When you get bullied, you you yeah. don't you sometimes just get yeah. the, the the last hit, but yeah. you know behind they talk about you right. so much. That's why they come and and, and bully you then because yes. they've already been talking about you. Yes, I feel, I feel very strongly like that. I actually, in fact, I think it's a, it's a, like a shame trigger for me when people talk in front of me about other people. Mm -hmm. I feel ashamed because I feel like when I'm not around, they talk about me. Mm -hmm. so, it, so immediately, I feel very small. It's very strange. Because they're not talking about me, obviously, but in front of me, but but just that idea that they would talk about someone behind their back. Yeah, but I I've, I sometimes even catch myself doing it too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit human. Sure. Um, but uh, I take myself. Uh, I, I in those moments I really reflect and say, Hey, come on! Now you go to that person, write him an email, write her, and tell this person what what, what you just thought, or mm -hmm. you don't have to tell them that you talk behind their back but you can at least give them an advice or and something you you observed or something so yeah um but yeah i was a bit sensed about that and um a friend of mine got bullied that is like five years younger got bullied at her school and i felt so connected to her and I feel so connected to, to kids that get bullied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's uh, move to a more lighthearted topic. Yes. <laughs> what, was, what were your favorite subjects in, in primary school? Um, music, math. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably those two. Cool. I loved math. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Because <laughs> yeah. later on, you... You told me you went to a pedagogical high school, which is like a a school that prepares you to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. So that's from age fifteen onwards. So yes. in Switzerland, you do primary school it's the first six years, and then you do kind of middle school two three years. Is that right? Yes, correct. And then you go into a kind of specific high school depending on what you want to do professionally, or you go and do you an have apprenticeship. Like two different or, high schools. Yeah, it can be some more. There are they're like one one focused high school on science where you have a lot of subject you can decide this is the kind of university preparation high yes school, yes right? correct and then i went to the one that prepares you to be a teacher right. and there are one that prepares you more to be into um the whole technical computer science right. part right. yeah and some and mm. and in Switzerland, a lot of students don't actually go to high school. They go directly into an apprenticeship. Correct. Do you know the stats on that? I mean, we have to, we just have like 20% to do an A-levels. Oh, wow. So I think it's 20, yeah, 25. Depends on the states too. Yeah. And the rest do the, the rest do apprenticeships That's or crazy. go to work directly. Yeah. Some. Okay. Because in their family, home, or I don't know. Family well, this is a fairly stomach. small percentage. Right? That's, yeah, pretty small. I think because yeah. Switzerland has a very good education system, actually, and yes. um, I think this apprenticeship system is unique in the world. 
and of course it's it's uh, i don't know what you i'm curious actually about your opinion because to me as an outsider it looks really amazing because uh, young people you know some three quarters of young people or at least two-thirds of young people from the age of 15 get work experience yes i mean it's um, amazing it's really for some kids especially for boys sorry boys but you are a bit behind in age of 15 <laughs> um it's pretty pretty early but mm. because we also started school we've so, moved so, a bit school even earlier so but now yeah it's, they it's, start in 15 and i think it's great yeah you so think 16 it's too would be better you think? yeah 16 would be better some yeah. are they they're can not do mature. one more you think they're not mature enough to go into the workforce it's just like they get they get money and they get yeah some of them but mm. that's on on the parents in the school to figure that out yeah. uh, there are several gap year programs and stuff you oh, can do yeah. so you start later but yeah some uh for some i see it from my brother who is a teacher secondary school mm -hmm. uh, he's also saying like they have to decide in in eighth grade what they want to do right and then they are that's Some age, of like them 14. 13, 14, 13, yeah, 14. 14. At that age, you have so, to decide what you do with the rest of your yes. life. But but this is yeah. the other thing, I think. Like, it's not that hard. And I think you, you were mentioning before as well, the, the opportunity at your school, even though it was focused on um, training teachers, you mm -hmm. could also go to university after that school, yes. or I guess you could also go into apprenticeship if you wanted to after yes. that school. So the options are always open. Yes. And I think a lot of young Swiss people actually change path at some mm -hmm. point. A lot do, yes, yeah. um, and that's a good thing. So I, I would, you, it's never a waste of time, no, never. Because, especially because you're so, so early, so you finish your apprenticeship by 17, 18, yes. and you're, you're earning good money at that point. For, for a young person, you, you yes. might still be living with your parents, and, and actually uh, you have enough money to, to live on your own already at 18, and you have a you have a full-time full job, you have an education that can actually offer you employment. And then at that point, if you decide, actually, this is not for me, you can always do a university bridging program and go to university if you want Correct. to do that. Um, so I love that system. I'm yeah. a really big fan of that. We call it dual system mm -hmm. um, with the one way is the more um, school way and the other one is the apprenticeship way. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I think it's a great thing. And I see we four kids, two of us did an apprenticeship, two of us went to school um, and... We all came out well. And my sister is now, the my brother still works, the one that did the apprenticeship, my twin brother. My sister did the apprenticeship and is now, that she starts next year in the at the age of 30 with her studies. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's great. She can now change she really well. easy mm -hmm. to a totally other subject. It came from from uh, business and administration and marketing and she goes now into social work okay. and she just needs half a year of practice of, of, uh, of an internship mm -hmm. and then she can start wow. and it's amazing and yeah. uh, so I love that uh, about our system that it's mm -hmm. possible what I still think is that um, the path through the apprenticeship and later like if you go through the school path um, you get a lot of things for free mm -hmm. till your bachelor masters. You don't mm -hmm. have to pay that much for your studies. Right. But if you go through the apprenticeship, all the studies are really expensive afterwards. Oh, okay. So uh, doing a bachelor after your studies at the age of 30 on a special level, mm -hmm. a special subject, 
mm-hmm. is pretty expensive. So I think though so, why, um, why is that? Is because the universities are private universities? Yeah, most of them are private. Right. Um, but you could go and to it, it, the people have money at that moment. Oh, of course, Everybody so. thinks that, but it's still a thousand, thousands of Swiss francs. So, but, but do, can they also not go to public universities at that age? Yes, they can. Several, but a lot of publics you can't work besides, and a lot oh, of them want to not give their independent fully because they right. need the money. They have kids, or they sure. have mm-hmm. they have a house or uh, something. Yeah. So you have to do it uh, besides working. Yeah. Uh, so part-time studying a year la- more than the others and that uh, usually you have to go to privates for that okay. so that's a bit the thing i think we we can improve but that's it's interesting. it's on a really that. high level that yeah. i <laughs> um, want to change things it's great what system we have now do you think that public universities should should be required to offer evening courses for working adults like we have a, mm-hmm, we have the universities that's yeah. more on a science Scientific level, right. and then we have the colleges more, right. like I we call them ha- um, Hochschulen, yeah, Fachhochschulen. high schools, which doesn't make yeah, sense. But I know. In English, you call them either um, polytechnics or like universities of science. Uh, okay. Universities, uh, uh, hold on, what's the word? Applied of applied, applied science. science. Yeah. So um, the ones that do apprenticeships, yeah. they go to universities of applied science. Right. And our system was developed by still by the universities um, that focus more on the scientific level and the ones with applied science they grew by uh, private initiatives um, um, and they don't get as much money as the big universities yes Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't do the the level of research that that right. uh, the the universities do, etc. So I think we should focus more on those um, universities for applied science because I really mm-hmm. think those are the future. It seems like the the one on Bern is quite large and mm-hmm. and quite well, it seems to me fairly well funded. It's a yes. very good very good school. I've taught there as well mm-hmm. at the the uh, Bern University of Applied Science. Yes, is that special in Canton Bern that there's such a good school or is no, the burn also gets founded by a lot of cantons around because not a lot, like they have a really large area where people come right. from. Right. Um, same core was, like I wasn't a really small one that ha- mm. didn't have that many students. Um, and it depends. Uh, like I think the, the development is here that also companies um, see the value of not just uh, the scientific science, but of the applied science right. that they found uh, study places yeah. and uh, those schools. This is you went to HTW Core. Yes. Okay. This is the only university I know in Core. Yes, that's <laughs> the only one. <laughs> it's there the only is, one that is. Core is a smaller town. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a that's a university of applied science. So they teach. Yes. Um, uh, I have uh, a bachelor's degrees from there. Yes. Right. So, in Switzerland. There's basically these two kinds of schools that can confer bachelor's and ma- well, actually, there's yes. three. I guess there's the ph- kind of philosophical universities, the which teach uh, uh, natural sciences and also uh, law and these mm-hmm. subjects. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, the the applied uni- yes. science universities, which teach the more practical subjects. Mm-hmm. I think also engineering. I guess yes. is part of those schools. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, the federal institutes of technology. Ah, ETH. ETH and yes. EFP, I count them into I count them a bit 
into the universities because right. they are they're considered university level yes but they are structured quite differently i guess yes. and they teach very very technical subjects yes. just at a very high level yes at, or at, at the, yes. the quality is, is extraordinary they do a lot of scientific research too. They, right they do so research they, into they do more scientific research more on the on the university level than university of applied science level mm-hmm. the research but they do yeah. research in much more um applied fields than yes. the than the university correct do. correct not on the scientific field, field that's, that's correct this, i guess they provide this huge benefit to the swiss economy in that they a lot of um startups come out of those two mm-hmm. institutes because they are uh, doing research that can be applied in, in business mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and also when you see the numbers of people having a job right after their bachelors mm-hmm. um it's more like the applied studies um science studies it's like when you go to the hdv in in core or um to the eth in zurich you can the eth in zurich you can't really work after a bachelor's but at um after core or other um those university universities for applied science you can work after a bachelor Right. I'm the living <laughs> proof of that. Yeah. You don't need a master's. It's right. it's not the, focused. It's it's focused on in three years you learn on so, your field that you can work. Interesting, yeah. And I like that. I think yeah. that should that's that's it's great because in many other countries and you know I I know New Zealand the best, but in New Zealand most students that graduate from university have none of the required <laughs> skill or or not the mm-hmm. not the yeah. not the not all of the required mm-hmm. skills to actually take yeah. on a job and most mm-hmm. companies in new zealand when they hire people they put them through a long training program to yes. get them ready for work so that's a bit the thing when i i compare myself to friends who went to university for applying uh, for non-applying science so um zurich or Bern or somewhere and um after their bachelor's first day said i need to do a master's right. i'm nothing without a master's yeah. but even after master's i'm like I, uh, I tell them I did projects on actual right. with actual clients. I can work. Sure. I did, yeah, and and they are just on that scientific level. Especially when I compare on communications. Yeah. I mean, you can have you have all the knowledge knowledge on communication science, but if you yeah. never wrote a, a press uh, a press sheet or a, yeah. a, re- a press release, you don't know how to do it. So, so. it seems to me like businesses kind of don't understand the 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 value of those because to me the way i see it those universities actually what they're for is building uh, educating researchers people who go on to do a phd and who actually mm-hmm. go on to become academics mm-hmm. but it seems like businesses have confused the prestige of universities with uh, some definition of talent that can be useful for their business and, and maybe there is talent that comes out of those universities yes. but the students aren't taught um, business skills and so when businesses hire them they may actually be getting someone who doesn't have the the, the kind of applied knowledge that someone that, who went to a technical university yes. got so i i for the first job for my um internship at the federal office for the environment right after my studies they they wrote on the application they said we this year we focus on master students okay and i was like yeah i have a bachelor i apply anyways mm-hmm. And at the end, um, they took me because they said, oh, I think you have the skills we need. Crazy. Because the other one was just, I mean, they knew communications, but they never wrote anything. And with my, everything I did for my party, for my clubs I was in, my volunteer work, mm-hmm. my whatever, yeah. um, I could say, I, did I don't just 
scientifically know what a social media channel is right. i really was a manager of one right so i till now it was always a good decision to um to to do the applied science way yeah. um, and, and there's no real difference i guess between the bachelor at those universities and at, at, a, at a at a um, uh, naturally science university you could go on to do a master's degree in uh, any university in switzerland i guess um, or is there a i could i don't think i could go and do the masters in communication science now in university of zurich i don't know interesting because they they would say you have you several have you have several things like i'd never had statistics oh, i see so i could i don't think i think they would ask you for several and several statistic uh, pro approval mm -hmm. i would have to do some courses some stuff, so yeah. it's a bit yeah. But I don't think that's needed that even that is possible. I could yeah. do some MAS or CAS at, as, at, that are combined with those universities. These are called Certificates of Advanced Studies? Yes. And what is the MAS? Um, the Masters of Advanced, Advanced Studies. Studies. Ah, so see. that's the way I can do a master's degrees. Uh -huh. If you have like five, sometimes MAS is five CAS together gives ah, an MAS. So you just put a bunch of certificates you can and you can do them slowly over several years and yes. then at the end you get a That's a bit degree. the thing that you can work besides yeah. and but they're that's really that's what I said they're really expensive. Yeah. Um uh so like 15,000 every uh, every CAS so at the end you can count it's like yeah. 70,000 for your masters. It's and almost as much as my masters. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Mine yeah. didn't cost that much. But yeah. um <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, abroad in Switzerland, you pay five hundred francs um, uh, yeah. a semester. Yeah, you know that's a bit the difference. Yeah, it's um, it's an un, uh, unappreciated benefit. Sometimes I feel Swiss. Uh, uh, when we are here, surrounding this environment, uh, we don't really notice actually that uh, it's such a privilege to have education so 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 cheaply. Yes, um, yes, same. In, in New Zealand, uh, you pay. About uh, five thousand New Zealand dollars a semester for university education. How much? Five thousand New Zealand 5, 000, dollars. Yeah. That's um, three and a half thousand Swiss francs yeah. a semester. Yeah. 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 Where do you get that money from? I mean, like. Well, wow. well I have a loan, so I still. Yes. So, wow. <clears throat> if the government is listening, <laughs> I will pay it back eventually. I promise. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so I still have a loan to the New Zealand. Yeah. So wow. of course, in New Zealand, where, you know, it's still fairly nice because the government provides the loans at at zero percent interest. At the beginning, and then at some point you're starting. So now I think mine are accruing interest. Mm -hmm. But of course, in other countries, you start paying interest from the beginning, and yes. um, and uh, the interest rates can be quite high. In New Zealand, the interest rates, even though you pay some interest, it's still below market rate interest. So, so that a bit that not only on for my political view, but also for my personal view, this appreciation of those 500 francs you pay a semester and then we still have the discussion with the socialists about making it fully free because yeah. education needs to be free yeah. and i'm like this whole everything for free mm. um uh society it's no i I'm like on that point i'm call it conservative or whatever mm -hmm. but on that point i'm really uh even if something needs to needs to be for one franc, yeah, that's interesting. It's, just, it's psychologically it's just different. That you, psychologically, yeah. that you pay something that you yeah. don't think it's for free because I noticed that nothing with, is for free. Yeah, I nothing. noticed that with with events, I, I uh, and also with 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 work, I um, uh, I I trained as a coach and 
I also facilitate a lot of workshops and I noticed that if clients pay for, for coaching or if people pay to come to a workshop, it's a totally different feeling. Than oh, yes. And people are much more serious about it. They show up on mm -hmm. time. It's like very psychologically, it's completely different. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's what I think. Um, if it's for free, somebody comes and the ones that are taking it serious, they have to deal with the ones that are not taking it serious. Yeah. And so can I yeah, ask your opinion, so, given, given yeah. just open this uh, box about free um, what do you think about the universal basic income? This was a, a um, referendum in English. You could call it a referendum. Referendum here, referendum means uh, only when the government asks the people a question, and it would be called a people's initiative. Um, actually, we don't have that in New Zealand. We don't, the people have no initiative, <laughs> or are not allowed to take any initiative. <laughs> yeah, you're um, not the only one around the world. No, you have right. to have a direct democracy. Switzerland is one of the only, or the only direct yes. democracy in the world. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so in Switzerland, the people put on the ballot the question, uh, or uh, yeah, ask the people, shall we give every Swiss citizen a universal income, a basic income to cover the basic cost of living? Yes. And it was. Um, declined i think by 75 percent of the people mm -hmm. so it, it's a fairly resounding no yeah um but it was a good 27 25% yes was really good for pretty, that initiative. Good, because it's pretty crazy right it was something four thousand yes. francs a month uh is that right yeah no, i think it was, it was on three but oh three yeah okay yes but um people around the world would would <laughs> with thing. do the Swiss have this much money that we pay yeah. every single citizen 3,000 francs which is like 3,000 US dollars yes. every single month yes oh. the, uh, like we also said no to six weeks of holidays uh, right. to uh, yeah. write that into our constitution it's so, crazy people uh, right Swiss now people say that. Swiss, the Swiss law put, allows you four weeks of holidays yes. is that right uh, but four is four you need to you must have, have four, four. but must actually many, four. many companies offer five yes four. yes yeah. but we yeah the socialists wanted to put in six into the constitution right. and the people say no yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the, the only weird. people in the world who, who, who turn down yes. free holidays yes <laughs> yeah. it's it's crazy but they know that they don't get it for free right, so they will you will it have less income or something yeah. so um about the the unconditioned like on yeah on, um universal basic universal income. basic income um it uh, it's funny because um the government made two they started uh, they made two um uh when you count something like when you uh how much it will cost yeah they made two uh like mathematics how much will it cost right and at the first one they did what well, will cost so and so and so much mm -hmm. billion of the, of Swiss francs. Right. And then they were like, oh, if you get that, we can count off everything that for the ones that don't have money, don't have work. Um, so all the social welfare programs the, you can so, cut. All the social welfare programs you can cut. Right. Um, oh, wow. That gives us so much money. We can give into that um uh, into that found kind of a, yeah. um that it cost uh, like not that much anymore right. still was a lot um uh, you need to find that money somewhere right. increase um, taxes it, it was part of the proposal to increase um, yeah, some it was, kind of tax yeah at the end you pay the tax on the money you will earn so only the ones who earn more money uh, will have to pay tax right. and uh, yeah, the, the rich ones. It's, right. it's simple. It's simple. It's the rich ones have yeah. to pay 
taxes, more, yeah. more, more taxes, and, and to companies. Yeah, and Switzerland But, has yeah. very low tax rates actually globally. If you compare it to, I mean, especially to the Nordic countries, you have to. Mm, it's But the, yeah, the, but the Nordic countries <laughs> they have their healthcare into the tax. They have right. their um, uh, what you have for old when you are old. Part in of the, the tax, tax. Right. And so it's separate, uh, it's separate. separate it's all separate if you count that yeah. together you're mm. easily on 40% in a okay. lot of uh, uh, families yeah. okay. so you're on the same level at the end okay. I didn't realize that but it's yeah you have to count Because that together it feels together. like a lot it less it feels like <laughs> a lot that much but yeah. um, the health 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 care gets up and up all the yeah. you have to pay every month so if you count that in and if you count what you have to put in to your um uh, and, well actually yeah, you know for later it's, it's interesting because uh taxation is uh, when you well healthcare in switzerland is very regressive because it's a fixed rate everybody mm -hmm. has to pay something mm -hmm. between depending on you 250 is the really minimum i think up to mm -hmm. 400 500 yes. a month yes. francs a month and uh everybody pays the same no matter how much you earn so of course yes. if you earn um a very, very kind of low-end wage might be 2,500. That would be 10% of your yes. salary yes. at the very minimum. Yes. And if you earn uh, what some people yes. earn uh, uh, 10,000 a month, mm -hmm. uh, uh, then it's a much, much smaller portion yes. of your salary. But if you have a, if you just have um, a really low income, you get money back for your oh, health care. Yeah. But yeah, if you would include that into, into the, the taxes and make it... Somehow promotional. Somehow promotional, yeah. yeah. But um, it's not. <laughs> in Germany, And, do, do yeah. you know this? In Germany, uh, I think it's something like 16% or 14% that you have to pay. The healthcare. It, yeah, it's wow. it's a fixed percentage. And of course, when you earn a lot of money, mm -hmm. it ends up being like... So much. Um, if you were earning 10,000, you imagine that mm -hmm. it would be 1,600 francs a month for healthcare. You, mm -hmm. you think, where the hell is that? But of course, it mm -hmm. subsidizes people who mm -hmm. earn less. Um Of course, in the U.S., it's also very expensive. I've heard that typical yes. healthcare. We have the same in Switzerland and the U.S. is the same kind of. But it's not that. compulsory in the U.S., right? So no, I know. And, and that actually makes it more expensive for the people that do have it because yeah. there's less economies of scale. I've, I've heard that typical figures range around 800 uh, U.S. dollars mm, a month. That's great. Which is you know yeah. quite a lot. Because more you, but there you have to think of yourself to put it aside yeah. sometimes or like so, some of some them companies you can have a program yeah. or yeah you do it with the company but yeah um the the whole the ones that don't have that much money they get some money back from the from the state right. for the rich ones it's no big deal it's the middle it's really this families and um, mm -hmm. the middle so class we've, we've, that is a it is a lot they yeah. still pay we've skipped taxes. we've skipped away from the universal basic income you didn't tell me yet what ah, you yeah, thought yeah, of it yeah yeah whatever no. okay <laughs> sorry i <laughs> so um i th i think it's a it's a good idea to talk about yeah i feel like our society is not ready yet for that mm -hmm. that's yeah. why i also said no mm -hmm. we we have a big solidarity mm -hmm. but not big enough for for that system not right. not yet or not at the moment yeah Because that includes everyone, yeah. everyone who comes into our country. Yeah. And uh, I think that would make a lot of things harder. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of the reason I don't think our, our society would be ready for that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it would be a too big step. Yeah, I also I when I first heard about it, I thought this such a, sounds such a, like a, such a great idea, especially as digitalization destroys more jobs. Um, but then I started thinking about it, and I was thinking, but actually, 
But anyway, this is a question we have to solve somehow. Where do we get meaning from in our lives? And I think a lot of people get meaning from their work. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have the work, they yes. might not notice that uh, um, they well they are needed that, or that yeah. they have a place in their in their society. Yeah, yeah, it's like and this can be very very dis yeah. disturbing and, mm -hmm. and can cause a lot more psychological mm -hmm. issues. Can also cause potentially cause yes. more violence in in mm -hmm. our culture. This could be very dangerous. And also, like with two thousand, like if we say three thousand francs uh, income in uh, on the countryside, uh, two people together in a small apartment can af can afford life there, mm -hmm. but you can't afford life in Zurich and Bern right. in the city. So yeah. you're forced to move out to somewhere <coughs> if you can't. More things like that. Society. So now mm -hmm. you get you get more money if you live in the city of your state of your city. Mm. Because they know it's more expensive to live right. here. So you would have to have that system still of, okay, the ones in the city who don't have enough with their mm -hmm. main income, was, things I, like that. So I it will wonder, make it complicated. So I, I wonder actually if a better system might not be something like a negative income tax that we say, um, when you earn below a certain amount, the government tops it up uh, at a percentage based so mm -hmm. that means that say if you if you had a part-time job you were earning uh, one thousand a month the government would say we double it yeah so you earn a thousand and we give you another thousand but yeah, then but, then, but the then it's a percentage so if you would earn thousand five hundred the government would give you a thousand five hundred so it would mm -hmm. give you the, still the incentive to to earn a little bit more because you know that however much you earn you you, you get a you get a the government kind of tops it up for you and uh, and then at some point you, you decrease it uh, the percentage until it becomes zero and then that's your typical like zero inc you know which you would put somewhere at the level where maybe it's around four thousand or five thousand would be zero and then above that of course you need to have much more progressive taxation to pay for that yeah. and then the companies give you less money so you get the other one from yeah. the from the government mm, course, i think yeah. It, yeah that's a bit of a hard thing yeah. i i think it's still at the end and that's my social and uh, entrepreneur heart um that i have from my dad uh i think you you should pay your um your people right mm -hmm. so they can have a life they don't so, have to have a ferrari yeah. but um, Switzerland is one of the few uh, also highly developed countries that doesn't have minimum wage Yes, but of course the, we discussed the, it. We said no. Yeah, we also said no. <laughs> but of course, this is kind of a, um, Switzerland kind of cheats because <laughs> because there is a, almost a de facto minimum wage, and in most preferred because most industries regulated within yes. the industry, yes. and so most people have a minimum wage in their profession. Yes, in their, they do. So um, and also that's a, a thing I see. My dad has to in his in construction company, mm -hmm. he has to pay an on. Um, unlearned mm -hmm. person that comes into his company, this minimum uh, wow. uh, money, yeah. this minimum um, because he's salary, because he's in that system, yeah. um, and he he puts half a year into that person to mm. learn the job, right. and he has to pay him fully all the time. Wow. He made has to make he's not allowed really to make an internship out of like him to an intern. Right, because he has to pay him. So it's like it's 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 good. I love it. I think it's amazing. We need that. Uh, but I think also it's the right thing that every um, area, every um, how did you call it, uh, like constructions, the, the cooks, industries, every industry. Thank you. Every industry um, discusses that for itself yeah. and and fixes because there are big big differences. Yeah.
Yeah, interesting. Okay, so we've gone quite far off the track uh, in terms of what I want this podcast to be about because actually I want it to be about our personal stories and now we've gone way off into politics, but it's very interesting and this is uh, something that uh, I really love talking about and um, I have an expert in front of me, so it's nice to discuss <laughs> it. Um, but um, I'm actually curious, how, how, how did you decide to go to a pedagogical high school? How was the decision made? So when I was in primary school, I wanted to be a primary teacher. When I was in secondary school, I wanted to be a secondary school <laughs> teacher. I always loved my teachers um, uh -huh. and I loved school. And I figured out I'm not that bad in explaining things to yeah. others that didn't get it as quick as I did. Yeah. Um, and I was in that way pretty patient. I'm not a patient person in Otherwise. other ways, but when I know um, somebody wants to learn something and to teach something i'm really patient yeah. and i like that i like the the uh, the way that people want from here from me and want to learn from me yeah. so that was always something i liked uh, i was because i was a good um student um a lot of times my teachers put somebody besides me who was not that good yeah. and i had to to help that, those people and right. i love that so cool. that was how i said I want to be a teacher. Okay. And then um, at at my high school, I figured out this, that those kids are too small because I started questioning, I started politics. I mm. knew with my kids, I would want to discuss those topics. Right. So and those are the, the older ones that are mm. in, in college are older. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let's be an expert on a field. Uh, I chose communications. Yep. And then at one point you can always people always told me you can always go back to teaching yeah that's yeah. true yeah so my, my mother always told me never become a teacher that was <laughs> my, my mother's a teacher and she, yeah. she 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 said teacher teaching is nice because you you have a lot of holidays but otherwise it's not a nice job <laughs> <laughs> well i think she, i guess she enjoyed teaching but i think it was the the kind of limited career opportunities mm -hmm. after that's, being a, yeah that that's what, it what she was concerned about yes um But I, but I also love teaching, and I, I guess it's something that comes from the family as well. And that's why now I, I have the pleasure to, to teach at um, the uh, University of Applied Sciences in Bern. And, uh, and I always look for that. That's why I think I also I learned to be a facilitator and a coach, because these are skills that I love to use. I love to run workshops and, yes. and, and mentor people and coach people. It's really a joy, yeah. Yes, I do. I love that too. I also, um, when people ask for my opinion or say can you just come into one workshop and give you your inputs i love it because i think i always have something to do to to give to a group or to uh, teach to somebody and um so yeah i like that and i think i will go back in some ways to teaching cool. so if there is an opportunity if somebody's listening and needs a, <laughs> <laughs> a teacher around burn um in communications politics whatever <laughs> that's really interesting yeah, yeah. I, i i just reminded me of uh, the the last person i i, I uh, interviewed uh, uh tinashe from zimbabwe he uh, went down at also a totally different track um and then when he uh, he studied in the us on the uh, west coast and when he went back to zimbabwe he got an offer to teach at a private school And he thought, yeah, maybe I can do that temporarily. And I also want to teach people and, you know, educate the youth. And then he stayed there for, for many years and actually really can make an impact there. And of course, now, now also has gotten into, into kind of political matters and tr trying to grow um, uh, the smart city industry in Africa, which is super fascinating. But anyway, whole other topic. 
um, you you finished uh, your high school and then um, you realized you didn't want to be a teacher. You took a gap year. Mm -hmm. What did you do in your gap year? Um, at that moment, I already knew I want to go to the University of Applied Science to do communications. How did you figure that out? I really don't know. I'm now at the point to figure out what comes next. And mm -hmm. I was like, how did you get to that that one? I mean, I Googled yeah. <laughs> and I found that um, I want to be, a, I, actually, I wanted to be a radio um, host. Okay. So this was this so was around 2008. If it I, was uh, year 2009, yeah. 2009, so yeah. I, I want to be a radio host um, because I thought, yeah, I can talk, I can speak, mm -hmm. and I, I love music and I love politics. So there are news. Yeah. Um, um, so why not doing that? And cool. um, there was this um, multimedia production program at this applied science university in court and i was like okay there you can study radio how cool is that um let's do that mm -hmm. and i applied and um they told me i need to um do an internship mm -hmm. uh in field of communication marketing best would be radio or something but it was hard to find something um is that common so uh, that, that you have to do internships before doing specific programs because yeah because um when you go to university for applied science mm -hmm. and you come just for from school right. you don't have any skills yet and, you don't understand and what others you're yes and others come from an apprenticeship i see Okay. So they were on the job for three years to right. when you were at school. Right. So you need at least being for once in a business, okay. in a company. Yeah. So you saw that side too. Okay. Uh, that's a really great thing. Um, yeah. And it was good for me in the gap year. And, and how much time did you need to spend on internship? Money or no, time? No time, yeah. Um, th six months. Okay, so um, they required minimum six months on the job yes. before. So yeah. I did uh, one in a, uh, it was a journal um, of my, of the Catholic Church of the region mm -hmm. that I was kind of a journalist uh, for a few months yeah. uh, because I loved writing too. And then I worked, um, I would have, had an um, internship in a in a communications agency agency, but then they they told me a few weeks before, oh, we can't take you. We don't have enough projects, okay. or we don't have enough time to to be with you. And I was like, okay, now. And then I worked with my dad. I could do some marketing communications for him. Oh, cool. Um, that was really fun. And then mm -hmm. I went abroad mm -hmm. for half a year. Yeah. And there we also had a lot of communication in international, especially intercultural right. communication pro um, uh, workshops and stuff. Uh, yeah. And so I got into the school. And at cool. the end, I didn't become a radio host <laughs> <laughs> because I liked the the, the corporate communication okay. subjects. That I was your major then? At the end, it was my major. Right. I didn't like the, the, the professor that was in charge for radio either. So oh, okay. that's, that's why I... Yeah. Um, um, it's so interesting yeah. that a teachers make such a big difference. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, yeah. Tell me about your, your trip overseas. You went to the US, Mexico, the Philippines, mm -hmm, all within six months. Yes. How, how was that structured? So um, I traveled with the international organization called Up With People. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of it was founded uh, 53 years ago yeah. in the U.S. Um, by 
some young people who wanted to do to use music and intercultural understanding as a bridge to uh, to build a like to spread the message of peace and hope that was at that time really important. Um, there was really a rough time in the US and all over. And they said, if we know each other and if we are on the bus together and if mm -hmm. we live at the, each other's homes, yeah. um, we would never ever fight against each other because we okay. would uh, have those bridges and those um, those understandings. And it was on a very um, non-political, non-religious uh, background. So oh. everybody was welcome, very including. Yeah. And uh, it's still around, a bit smaller than in the 80s. It was really big in the 80s, okay. up with people. It um, also known for their music. Okay. And um, uh, my aunt traveled in the 90s. Okay. And that's why I, was, I knew that program. Yeah, wow. And so I applied and I traveled with uh, 80, 100 young people from all over the world. We were from 24 different countries. 1,800. Eight, and now 80. Ah, uh, 80. 80 other students okay. from I heard, I heard 80, sorry 80, no yeah. that would be a bit much 80 were that was okay. already 80 long. young people and you all traveled together to we all traveled together countries. in those um six months and we changed mm -hmm. cities every every week oh wow lived with host families doing volunteer work yeah and we had our show that we learned in the beginning okay. that we put on stage together ah, okay. to uh, also in the show we have this message message of peace of intercultural mm. understanding and you were we, singing um, I was singing, dancing, acting, oh, wow. yeah, speaking okay. uh, different things, yeah. yeah. Um, was that something yeah. that you did beforehand already in high school? Um, um, there were, now there are a lot of programs about musical and mm, music yeah. and dance and stuff. It was not when I was young. Really? Yeah. It was, it's I really to, sad. It was yeah. like a few years later, it become, became a big thing. Yeah. Now all the I went to these kind of summer programs, I guess, when I was 14 and 15, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe even a little bit earlier, like when I was 13 and 14, I went to this like summer acting camp kind mm -hmm. of. Uh, uh, cool. Yeah, acting, no, performing, yeah. singing. We kind of did all the kind of performing arts. I didn't do, uh, like, I, uh, I learned, um, uh, I took singing lessons um, in and my high class. school and stuff. Yeah, and you have mu music as a subject in high yes, school? Yes. You learned an instrument or? Yes, I learned, like, music, singing was my instrument uh -huh, okay. uh, for a second. Mm -hmm. Before that, in um, primary school, I learned uh, to play the piano. Okay. Uh, but I was never really good. It was good <laughs> enough to practice my singing and find the chords and stuff. Okay, cool. um, yeah, but uh, I was in a choir. Um, mm -hmm. And so yeah, so singing was, was kind pleasure. of your developed talent, and um, and acting and, yeah. and dancing was dancing was also a hobby That's, beforehand. Yeah, I was yeah since fifth grade I was into dancing. What, what yeah. kind of dancing? Was a jazz dance mostly, oh, okay. jazz, hip hop, street dance. Oh, very interesting. Those um, kind of yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And then it's show dance mostly in Up mm -hmm. With People. Yep. So you have dances from all over the world. Like they do African dance mm -hmm. and um, with its Bollywood dance or belly dance wow. sections. And yeah, so... So there was people also from India in that group of 80? We didn't have... We had somebody from Bangladesh. Okay. We had two from China, two from Japan. Okay. Uh, no, three from Japan. Yeah, so... Wow. So a really international group, huh? Very international group. It was amazing. And then you travel and you, you have those workshops 
mm-hmm. because like like you see 80 young people from those different countries have different backgrounds have different way of speaking have um, you so how, learn about intercultural communication how long did you spend at the beginning developing the show four weeks you spent four weeks together yes. where was that in denver colorado in denver colorado yes. i've heard a lot about that it seems like a really beautiful place it's a beautiful place you have boulder yeah. next to it that is yeah. even cooler mm-hmm. more na- in nature i guess boulder. it's more in nature is like right at the rockies like right. on the bottom and it's a really independent cool hip, um mm-hmm. city with um well, now yeah. colorado legalized was one the first one i think to legalize, legalize. marijuana yeah. <laughs> so we can tell when how cool the, they are you know when <laughs> i was yeah, i see your focus <laughs> um no i was um i was 20 when i went over there oh wow okay. like, i turned 20 on tour and you couldn't drink of course in the u.s drink, at 20 <laughs> like um which my, is my host family in california um uh she they were like like the rule was at your host family's place yeah um if they offer you mm-hmm. and you are allowed to drink in your home country you're allowed to drink oh interesting um you're not allowed um outside in bars and stuff sure. because there it's not allowed it's legal, there you're yeah. it's not legal yeah. but um in your uh host family's homes um because you were allowed at home. It yeah. was allowed since four years to drink wine. Yeah, in Switzerland, Why should it's I not? 14, uh, 16, 16, sorry. Wine and beer, yeah. Um, so it was a bit that. So I could drink Was a bit, it strange to, to feel like they, they don't... I'm 20, but they don't think I'm an adult enough to, to decide what I do with alcohol? Um, I, didn't or was need, it just, I didn't need alcohol in that yeah. half a year. It was yeah. so... There was so much going on. We didn't really go out because we had shows Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. We lived with our host families, so we had to go home at like we were we were tired yeah. in the evening. We okay. had to put a stage up and stage down after every show. So you did two shows everything. a week? One to two. Mm-hmm. In the and Philippines then, we did more and yeah, it okay. depends. It depends. And it yeah. was a different city every week. Yes. Yes. That, that sounds pretty exhausting for and it was amazing i loved yeah. it <laughs> it was exactly my thing cool. like you have a schedule you have full week schedule you're not independent at all so during uh, the week you do workshops and then yes. in the weekends friday saturday you do the performances yes so it's a bit uh, yeah you have one travel day from one city to the other you mm. have one day workshop you have two days of volunteer work oh i see yeah. You have one or two days of rehearsal shows slash mm. also regional learning so if you were in a city, you try at least one day. You try to see something from there oh, that yeah. you're not always on volunteer work uh, sites yeah. or stuff. But uh, so you also saw the important things of the city, yeah. and then you had one day with your host family. So oh, that okay. was a bit the That's week. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What were some of the sites that really stayed with you that you found really incredible? Oh, like um, I love Mexico and Teotihuacan mm-hmm. um, outside of Mexico City. Mm-hmm um we did we went there as the whole cast like the whole group in Mm. one uh for one day um and i went there again last uh december so it was a bit um that was that stayed with me then um uh, in the midwest when we were in um where was that i think it was in nebraska no no it wasn't in South Dakota or something. Yeah, I sometimes don't figure out where was what. Yeah. Um, because we were so many places. Mm-hmm. Like we went on old railway um, stations mm-hmm. and uh, about the old days and the Western, the Western feelings right. and things like that. So did you see like a rodeo show? 
Yes, I went oh. to the Northern Western Stock Show outside okay. of Denver. Okay. Um, that was huge. Mm -hmm. It was, um, yeah. I had the boots and of my uh, my host mom and the head of my host dad and yeah it was a real cowgirl <laughs> <laughs> eating corn dogs and um, seeing that show it was yeah. it was impressive yeah. it was impressive yeah what, what 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 I don't know anything about it I've, I've only seen it on TV is it is it mainly the the um, bull um, mm. riding what? no um, the whole no the whole stock show that they call mm -hmm. it as uh, so they show the beautiful animals yeah they, mm, <laughs> yeah also but no it's like more they have i think it's like five or six different disciplines okay so one is like you have to gather all the cows into the cage mm -hmm. as fast as possible mm -hmm. others are you have to get it with the lasso wow. one that is really got really yeast or Oh, so many different. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like I all these kind of cowboy them. skills. Yeah, it's cowboy skills show cool. okay. kind of. <laughs> it's That's funny. Huh. Yeah. Um, did you ever learn to ride a horse? No. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I was on a horse before, mm. but I never learned it. But it was never also. It was never something I wanted yeah. to yeah. learn. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, I'm curious about what kind of volunteer work did you do? Mm. In every city, like there's always a team that's going ahead to prepare the city. Um, I did that in Gothenburg, actually. Uh -huh. That's what I did there, what I worked there. And you try to connect with the people, um, the local people, and uh -huh. find out what NGOs, what organizations, but also what schools sometimes uh -huh. can um, can where can we do a win-win situation? Yeah. So the win the volunteers come. Um, and there are projects we can help. Um, either we went, like we did everything. We painted, uh, painted houses, like um, youth project houses or something. Uh, we um, interacted with, uh, in elderly homes, we just went as a group of five, six and played board games with people in elderly homes. Mm -hmm. We, um, we planted trees. Uh, we, went into schools talking about intercultural communications. Some in some schools they saw the first time somebody from Japan or from yeah. Europe and yeah. and we did games with them about um like also anti bullying games yeah. or anti bullying programs. Uh or just co about communications yeah. or about uh, understanding about mm -hmm. um That's a, like a lot of volunteer work. Yeah, there are hours and hours of volunteer work and every city needed something else. And That's every city we had another project to 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 be active and And you yeah. you were in um, over 6 months in tw 20 different cities, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So we had the four weeks in the beginning in mm. in Denver and then yeah. we had around 17 cities. Oh wow. And was it uh, divided equally in those three countries or was it mostly in the US and then a three-month U.S., mm -hmm. uh, one-month um, Philippines, and six or seven weeks uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Yes. In that order? Yes. Interesting. So yeah, like the... after, no, it was first two and a half month U.S., then Philippines, then back to the U.S. Uh -huh, for okay. the south part, more California, uh -huh. Arizona, and then we crossed the border to Mexico. Oh, interesting. And in the, in the U.S., you w went through all uh, a lot of the states, or was it just Midwest and 
Midwest and West. Every mm-hmm. every half a year, they change a bit the area, and okay. we went to Midwest, and then later California, Arizona. Yeah, oh, cool. Yes, uh, it's such beautiful landscapes out there. Uh, I've been, but I've been to California a couple of times, but I never made it out to the Grand Canyon or to. Um, uh, I've been also to, to Las Vegas, but I didn't make it out to the Grand Canyon. And uh, Yellowstone <laughs> National Park is not that far away from mm-hmm. um, this Bay Area. But I never made it there either. You didn't see any of those sites either. No, we had a really tough schedule. We were in in the mountains actually for a week um, outside of LA in the, and that was great because it was after the Philippines. That was really mm-hmm. intense. We did yeah. more volunteer work there, mm-hmm. um, and then we came back and with a bit of the most of the people had culture shocks to come back to the US okay. after the, after Manila. Yeah, and then it was great to be in the cabin in the Alps, like <laughs> in the Californian Alps. Oh, interesting. And okay. then we went to Vista, California. That's mm-hmm. a bit um, down the coast, and uh, um, yeah, so we didn't really have time around California. Else than that, right. I saw I saw the mountains. Yeah, yeah, and the California coast. Yes, yeah, this in Vista, beautiful. it yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Oceanside Vista, there, yeah. beautiful. Cool. Yeah, very cool. And um, what kind of people were they? The hosts that you that you stayed with, hmm. like in in California or oh, everywhere. everywhere. Oh, yeah. so different! Like so, it's just so cool because I'm really open minded, and mm-hmm. you didn't know till the moment you entered a new city, like every week, where you will sleep at night. Yeah, uh, you you got a code, um, a code word or a code something. Mm-hmm. And the family got another code. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you found each other in a room. Like everybody was put into one room. Like, okay, let's find our mm-hmm. host family. Wow. And that was pretty cool because um, you had family with kids. I had older couples. I had um, I had people that barely, like in Mexico, barely spoke English. Yeah. Um, I had people that traveled themselves with up with people. So knew mm-hmm. the organization. Yeah. I had people that heard about it at school. Um, yeah. Rich, poor. I could sleep in, in children's room with, uh, pictures on the walls of mm-hmm. uh, cars and mm-hmm. teddy bears in the bed mm-hmm. and, or in big guest rooms with my own bathroom, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Or I've in Mex in the Philippines in Manila, we had a little apartment. I slept on the floor on a really small mattress for four and a half weeks. Wow! Like, yeah, there we stood longer. We didn't have didn't one week around. there. We mm-hmm. were there for several weeks. Yeah. Okay, but we're still with the host family. Yeah, I, most of us were with host families. We were in an apartment provided by a host family. Okay, because it was closer to our volunteer work side mm-hmm. so yeah and what was the what was the you spent one day a week with the with the family yes mm-hmm. yes like and there was also eastern in the when we were in the philippines oh, okay. so we had um over western weekend we had four days with the host family mm-hmm. that and was nice philippines is also like a majority catholic country right Catholic, yes. Yeah, so yes. Easter is a big, big yes. celebration. Yeah, um, yeah. not with, my family was not that focused on that. Um, mm-hmm. I had to ask because I'm Catholic. I was mm-hmm. like, "Can we go to church?" <laughs> 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 um, but uh, the majority, like, a big part of it, um, uh, mostly the poor people 
um, are still very, very much into Catholic, um, into Catholic Church. But it was a really rich family that hosted us or uh -huh. provided us with the apartment. Yeah. They were not that into it. Okay. Um, we went to their uh, house at the beach, and um, yeah, it was okay. was also cool, good. I mean, I saw all sides of yeah. the country. Very interesting. Mm. And how did how do you think that shaped you this experience of traveling for six months and doing the show and the volunteering and seeing so many people and places um it made out out of me a global citizen mm. um home got another meaning because i was home in a place every week yeah And people opened their homes, their refrigerators, their doors for me. Mm -hmm. They didn't know who was coming. Um, uh, and they opened it for me. And uh, I know all over the world there are people that will open the doors for for strangers. Yeah. And um, yeah, it inspired me so much. I came out of that half a year overwhelmed by inspiration mm -hmm. uh, by people. And I have friendships that last till then I meet uh, people I from uh, from projects I was in or from host families um, or the ones I traveled with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, every year I'm still in contact with okay. a lot of them. I yeah. actually with my host sister from one town in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I traveled for a week last no uh, November when I visited Mexico. Oh, cool. So we were together. We haven't seen each other for eight years and we wow. just traveled one week together and it was wow. amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's nice to have those kind of connections and all over the world. And, yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Have you met up with some of the other um, uh, students that you traveled with? Yes. Um, I was at a wedding of my best friend of my cast. Uh, uh -huh last um autumn in belgium cool. um some visit switzerland and give mm -hmm. me a call um i have one other girl from switzerland that traveled mm -hmm. and we try to meet up once a year mm -hmm. at least my friend from northern germany we met in london last year and did a mm -hmm. weekend together there so cool. yeah we try to to meet up um once in a while i mean never with all the 80 but um yeah, with some of them and uh thanks to social media you keep in contact with a lot of them and can yeah. follow their journeys uh what's really inspiring too um, cool. we have out of it influencers um uh, social media professionals um theater like where the uh, performers mm -hmm. uh on broadway even wow. like everything so it's that's really crazy. cool yeah that's crazy mm -hmm. really cool and then when you came back you started your um your bachelor's degree mm -hmm. you moved to Kur. yes where did you live was it a, a student apartment yeah a shared apartment yeah we were in a shared flat four mm -hmm. of us some were working some were studying okay but on the weekends i, w I went home mm -hmm. yeah how far is it from from Kur two to? hours Two hours by train. By train, yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, What was that experience like? Was that the first time you, well, you, you you had traveled for six months, but I guess you hadn't moved out of home before then. Correct. And that moment I didn't, I half, half moved out. Yeah. I, I had all my stuff in my room at home. Okay. But I, yeah, I was, um, after those 
six months, I felt ready to mm-hmm. to have my own apartment and yeah. cook by for myself. And uh, yeah, so that was a good experience. Also, what was in core stayed in core. My parents didn't have to know everything and mm-hmm. my first boyfriend and mm-hmm. everything. So yeah, it was um, it was a good time. It was yeah. a good time. But I had my my choir, my politics and everything in Tugau and my parents' place, yeah. my best friends were there. So that's why I okay. came home all weekend. Every weekend you went Yes, home. every weekend. So your yeah. center, kind of your social center was still in, in, in yes. Tugau. Yes. And for Did the you? most students too. Oh, really? So it so was not, it's like not a, a student city oh, core. Okay. Uh, people don't stay there. Did you still make friends with some of the other students? Um, was that hard? I'm yeah. not that good in, in yeah. keeping in touch well, with them. Especially, you know, if you don't, don't, if you don't spend weekends there, it's kind of hard to make close friendships. I mean, I had some, but yeah, it's yeah. still, it's, all of them had their close friends somewhere else. So yeah. we're spread out in all Switzerland. Um, yeah. I have some here in Bern, so who I sometimes see, some I made, uh, I met up again professional on a professional level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, friendships come and go and are important for sometimes just for for one period of time or yeah. after your life. And that's fine. Study friends. Yeah, <laughs> my study friends. I love them if they hear that. <laughs> Thank you for the time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned before, I think, that you really didn't like the, the radio uh, teacher, but mm-hmm. you loved the, the teacher who taught corporate communication. I yeah, I liked her a lot. She was really good and she... Uh, she showed me, hey, you're good in communications. You have know a lot about politics. You can you can combine that into PR, into public uh, affairs, into uh, um, yeah, internal communications. Also, is a lot of politics. Did she inspire you to, to, to you know go into a career in, in yeah. political communication? Yes, yeah. yes, a lot. Yeah. Cool. Was there anything really difficult about the studies, or because you were as a child a very talented uh, student? Did that change? It was the first time I really struggled yeah. in school because, um, like I mentioned before, like 70% of the students did an apprenticeship before. Yeah. A lot of them mediumatic, mm-hmm. what means they knew how to use InDesign, they coded before, wow. they made websites one after the other, they... Yeah. They taped movies or short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really good in photography. Stuff like I never did on a good level. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn all of that. Oh, and wow. I had to find my place in that. Yeah. And at the end I figured out, okay, I'm a good speaker. So I can mm-hmm. do the presentations. Cool. I can um, really good in concept uh, work. Um so usually I was with groups of very creative people and mm-hmm. at the end I had I wrote the concept. You were the were you also a leader in the group? Yeah, I was a lot of times leader in the mm-hmm. group. Um uh on that level. Mm-hmm. I was never on the set, for example. If what we is, had what? to make a short film oh, I mm-hmm. something, I was never the leader there. Right. I mean You're I was the producer, organizer director. There. I, or I, you are the producer, but not I the was director. The pro- yes, correct. Mm-hmm. So I was the producer, so till the moment everything needed to be filmed mm-hmm. taped i was the leader but from there on i had to give to the others um interesting so that's a bit um that was a bit my role i had to find that one yeah um i had to, also with my limits what we talked about yeah. i i had to find my limits on either you go 
fully into now filming and do nothing else next to it. Mm -hmm. But I did politics next to it. My mm -hmm. hobby was politics. I wrote a lot for blogs and for press releases and, uh, mm -hmm. and papers. Um, you were still doing that for the uh, Christian Democrats in your hometown, Weinfeld? Yes, yeah. yes, for my canton. So yeah. you were not get, getting into politics in Kuhl? No, um, I knew friend. I had friends there, mm -hmm. and I was involved a bit there. I went to events, mm -hmm. but I was never um, involved locally because right. it was always clear my home uh, is in uh, is in Turgau. Yeah. Um, but I I I got involved a bit nationally. Uh -huh, I see. On the national level. Um, Where's the, so the head office of the party? Here in Bern. That's oh, okay. where I worked the last three oh, and a half of years. Course, yes. yes. That's right. So uh, you st was that the then that was the first contact uh, with the head office? Yes, I after a year um, in my studies, mm -hmm. uh, I went to my parents and said either if I have to pay more and more of my student life myself, I need to go work now mm -hmm. in my three month uh, summer vacation, yeah. and if you say no, we provide you, we keep on providing you for your health insurance and stuff then I can do an, an internship. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, let's do, do an internship. We are here, we provide you um, with everything you need. And I was like, okay. And then I went to Bern for my internship at uh, CVP, so you did uh, at the party. Um, a summer internship of, yeah, after your first year at school, yes, at university. At university. Yeah. And, and I did that for three months and it was in the middle of the election campaign. It was election uh -huh. year. So I was a, a help. Nobody else was uh, knew what social media was or yeah. how to. This was uh, 2011, yeah. 2012. It was 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So early days for social media. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, there was. Um, Although I guess the the success Obama of was Obama was already there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, but it was not big yet in Switzerland. Yeah. But somebody, you had to be a bit there. Your website had to be good and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was doing uh, work there, communication, campaigning. First what, what platforms did you use? Just Facebook mainly or? Um, like the website was a big deal then. Okay. Because we had a new website and uh, then we had, um, yeah, we had Facebook we had YouTube, mm -hmm. some first movies, uh, short clips you mm -hmm. did. Uh, we had um, those political platforms came up, like we call them politnets or um, like uh, um, discussion Forums. platforms mm -hmm. where people could put in their article, their mm -hmm. opinion, mm -hmm. and others could comment or put their own and mm -hmm. vote if they're... Uh, if they agree or disagree, Interesting. things like that. What are these platforms called? Like uh, Politnets. Is there a name for a specific platform or? Yeah, it's Politnets. Oh, it's is called a, Politnet. It, yeah. That's the largest kind of political forum mm. on. Uh, it changed now a lot. Smart Vote came up the oh. first time. Okay. Um, where uh, the politicians had to answer like 150 questions. Okay. And uh, that went into a database. Mm -hmm. And you as a... A voter could go on the database, answer the same fifty questions, and uh, and they told you which of your state uh, is the closest to your opinion. Oh, interesting! Which uh, candidate? Yeah. So things like that came up. It was more like also those uh, things that we had to deal with. Okay, mm -hmm. do we send now to? So we sent out to all the candidates like how we would answer those questions. Yeah. In a 
most uh, party way. Right. Um, yeah, things like that. So, cool. um, so that was yeah. your f the summer internship after your first week, first year at university. Yes. yes. You went back for your second year. And yeah. Was something different when you came back for your second year? Yeah, I um, I had to decide for my major. Okay. And I decided on computer communications because mm -hmm. I also felt, yeah, that's a bit my thing. Okay. With uh, with this, um, different aspects of communication, also for political communications or um, internal and uh, events and things like that. And um, I also worked beside that. Mm -hmm. I got a job um, just part-time, like 15% or something, mm -hmm. was it, for the female section, a female group of the national party okay so i did secretary there um mm -hmm. mostly administration but also communication and i the, was you, you could do that remotely from core while you were studying yeah i could do that from core i mm -hmm. went like once a month to Bern. okay and twice a year to somewhere in switzerland where they had meetings yeah and uh, uh that was really great because i started networking yeah i started to know everybody from the party i started i met the Uh, the the members, the female members of the Swiss Parliament from mm -hmm. my party. Uh, I met the um, first time the uh, federal um, then the minister of my party, and yeah, so that was a really great time, and yeah. it was cool because I could do it in the evening, at night, uh, update the website, uh, apply, uh, yeah. So uh, that was. Um, There was something I could do good besides studying. Yeah. yeah, and earn a bit of money. A bit of money, yeah. yeah. That was good. Was that the kind of the first job that you got paid for? Mm -hmm. It was cool. first non-internship job. Yeah. For the internship, you didn't get paid anything. I did get paid a bit, like, like so I could mm -hmm. pay my apartment or oh, something. Okay. Oh, uh, when so you were while you were in Bern. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. It's like a in German you would call it what an honorarium. No, a stipend I mean, maybe in English? I mean, at the end it was great because I could rent out my apartment in Coor to uh -huh. rent in the one in Bern, but then insurance and living and eating mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So I could, and also trains home and yeah. uh, things like that. So yeah. yeah, I think I had a, I think I had thousands Swiss francs a month. Mm -hmm. um, so it was yeah. okay for that. That didn't finish my studies yet. Yeah. yeah. And what did you do in your summer break after the second year? I went traveling. <laughs> you went traveling? <laughs> yeah, cool. I needed a vacation then yeah. because I had those, this internship and I was working, working, working. Yeah. And um, so there I went, I think I went to Amsterdam and oh. to Tessie. So a bit of a spiritual vaca vacation Where is uh, that? In, Fran Tessie? in France. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is Not that? far from Geneva. It's a it's a youth place like where um, young people from all over the world, um, mostly Christians, but it's also open for non-Christians, um, come there and uh, pray together, mm -hmm. mostly in singing. Okay. So four day four times a day, I think is or three. Oh, I don't know anymore. Mm -hmm. um, they meet for for uh, at. at church and sing mostly mm -hmm. together i, think I might have yeah. seen a, like a news piece about this yeah and could be. 
it's, it's really it's quite big, big. right there's yeah, like thousands big. of young people. in summer there's thousands of people over yeah. eastern too over christmas too yeah. and in between yeah you, it's really simple 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 life yeah. everybody pays as much as they can and uh you have small groups uh, that you discuss um, the Bible or topics from life. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really great, really cool. great place. So I th think like that a bit. So you have a bit of distance in summer. Yeah, and you you also told me that you traveled to some other places like Namibia. When was that? That was in 2014 when I did my internship. Um, my parents invited us kids to come with them to Namibia for two weeks because oh, cool. they have a connection there with a non-profit and uh, so that was while yeah. you were in start working in Bern for yes. the Christian Democrats and then you went on holiday to I was Namibia. working for for the federal office for the environment that time but ah, that was yes. the first intention mm -hmm. yes but um, yes they took us down to Namibia it was beautiful it was yeah. amazing did you go on safari in Namibia? yes yeah. also in uh, um yeah, so it was really fun because my grandparents worked with us, my parents, and oh. we kids, and it was really cool, yeah. Cool. What was the, the, the best memory you have from that trip? Ah, oh, so many. Now I know they're not just pictures, I really mm. have them. Um, yeah, probably the sand, uh, like the, the Namib, uh, the... Um, the dunes, the sand dunes, do you call them yeah. dunes? Yeah. Um, they're amazing. I mean, they're incredible. You can't describe that. They're the in the landscape. desert? Yes. Like the big ones that mm -hmm. you see a lot of pictures and stuff. Yeah. Um, the, um, what is the desert in Namibia? Namib. The Namib desert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is on the... Um, I'm embarrass myself if I have my geography wrong. It's on the west coast of South Africa, right? Yes. So America. it's right above South Africa on the mm -hmm. west coast. Mm-hmm. I think I saw um, something on like National Geographic about the horses in Namibia and how they, mm. um, they the wild they, ones. Yeah, they yeah. live in the desert oh, basically. It's and amazing when you see them. Oh my gosh! I think they have something very special where they can go without drinking water for a very long time. Wow. Because they really live in the desert. Yeah, I mean, you you drove through that country, and every hour you had another. Um, you had green, you had desert, you had water, you had city, you had. It was amazing. Yeah. And I mean, safari, seeing first time uh, an elephant or a giraffe and free in, in nature, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, these things leave impressions on you. Mm -hmm. So you finished your, then you went back to, you, you so you, this is, Namibia was beforehand. It was just two weeks, yeah. But, uh, but you, in after your second year of school, you went traveling to Amsterdam, you, you went mm -hmm. to France. Um, and then you went back for your third year. Mm -hmm. You continue working for the yeah. party, uh, this fifteen percent job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the. And then when you graduated, was it clear that you would go to work for them full time? Mm -mm, not at all. Um, I quit the job when I finished my studies mm -hmm. because I didn't know yet what to do, and um, or like I was applying for several jobs. Yeah. And then I. Um, I when I got the job at the federal office for the environment, yeah. like the internship, yeah. and that was I would not have been allowed to work. Besides, so I didn't want that anyways. It was good for two years for, um, working for the party, um, and then uh, I did that internship at the federal office. Mm -hmm. um, that was interesting. How long was the internship? One year. Oh uh -huh, yeah. Yes, right. and uh, that was really interesting. And then in summer, there came the call 
from the party that they need a new campaign manager. Okay. And they knew me because I was around. I yeah. yeah. And you were still while you were on the internship. I guess you were still involved with the party as a volunteer. Or yes, not? I was yeah. not that much, but yeah, okay. I was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was also for me. I came back to Bern, and the people I knew in Bern were the ones from the party. Right. So I was in the the, the how I connected with the city too, with those people I knew from the party. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I was still in contact with them. And then they said, yeah, we need somebody. And I did my bachelor thesis on campaigning. So <laughs> it was a bit, yeah, but I was still overwhelmed by that job, but I did it and I started it and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And you, you spent three years at the, at the party then as the campaign manager, mm. you went through an election cycle. Yes. And then. What was that like? Is that very stressful to, to... I mean, I actually started in an election year. Ah, okay. So I started in December of 2014 and 2015 was election year. Mm -hmm. So it was crazy. Yeah. We put together a new website, even if everybody said, no, let's do that after election. I was like, I don't go into election with that website. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the whole campaign that was pretty much set up when I came, but mm -hmm. you had to do it somehow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of decisions. We still had vote campaignings going on mm -hmm. throughout the year. So in that year I had election campaign and three other campaigns I right. was the manager of. Wow. Okay. And there was a lot. This is, this is special in Switzerland. Yes, you, so yeah. <laughs> you have referendums or like people's initiatives that are voted on at least three times a year, sometimes four. Four usually, yes. Usually four times a year. And you have to campaign for those as a party if you yes. want your opinion to be heard as a party yes. on those issues. And otherwise you have the, the elections, which how often are the federal elections? All four years. Every four years. Yes. So you, so in 2015 you had three uh, yes, initiative had, referendum mm -hmm, campaigns and mm -hmm. the federal yes. election campaign. Yes, that was my start. And it was too much. It nearly <laughs> killed me, really. Yeah. Um, after three months I nearly had a breakdown. Like wow. I had one okay. um, and I just could uh, with a lot of help and with a lot of um, support and where did you find that support? Uh, oh I mean everybody saw that they mm -hmm. will lose me when they don't put somebody like helping me out at work um, yeah. that was my family and uh, my mom forced me to come home at the weekends mm -hmm. so they because sometimes I just didn't make plans at the weekends um, mm -hmm. anymore Right. And so I didn't have an excuse to not work. Okay. Um, and I worked till night at three or, um, so, uh, my boss forced me to, to leave the laptop at work, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So yeah. I needed people to force me and I went into for the first time I went into, um, uh, to a therapist. Yeah. So yeah, I needed that. So how, I how, could, how did you, that. was that your own initiative to go to a therapist? Um, no, my mom, uh, yeah. I called her once, um, when I had like, yeah, when I had one of those breakdowns, like it was like the second one and she was like, so now here's the number. It's also her therapist. Like here's mm -hmm. the number you can call her anytime. I know she picks up, call her. Mm -hmm. And then I had a half, a half an hour session with her on the phone. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, and now when do you come? Mm -hmm. We need more time for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she, she saved me that in those th 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
and then I had forced a bit of forced holidays um, that I also didn't plan anything because I didn't have time to plan any holidays. And uh, then I told my mom, do you have time? Let's go somewhere. She had to decide. She had to plan. I didn't have energy for any of that. Yeah. But my phone stayed at home, my laptop stayed at home, things like that. So wow. it was a hard lesson. I mean, I was uh, 25 years, I just turned 25. Yeah. But um, everybody was very supportive and uh, yeah, found my limits. Yeah. Yeah, in a hard way, really hard way. Yeah. Uh, what was it like when you came back? I mean, I was never really gone. I was like those four days at work um, in, we went to Como, mm-hmm. uh, were really nice. Um, it was really good. And there was the first time I was like, it also works a few days without me. Yeah. It needs to. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was a big that's the, lesson. That's the most dangerous thing, right? When we convince yes. ourselves, nothing, if, if I don't do it, n- nobody will. And yes, yes. Yeah. So like, hey, you're replaceable <laughs> in, <laughs> in a, a way, in a good way, yeah. in a good way. In yeah. A good way. yeah. You and don't have to take uh, all the responsibility. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Even though you're, you're taught to, to take responsibility and that's a really good thing. And that's also what makes you successful to take mm-hmm. responsibility to say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Yes. But then you take too much and yes. Yeah. yeah. It's very hard to let it go. Actually. Also, it's kind of a, an act of humility to, to say, I'm not going to take that responsibility. I let someone else do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Important lesson, yeah. Important lesson, yes. Incredible. And where did the decision to come come from to leave? Uh, that was two years later. You decided to leave? Last summer, so after two and a half years, I had the feeling of, of leaving. Like, can I do another election year? Mm-hmm. Because I entered it so hard into the election year. Yeah. I told myself, don't, uh, don't go a year before election that's hard for somebody else to enter. Yeah. So either go now or do election year. Okay. I said that to myself last summer and um, then I had a talk with my boss and I was at the point, also my family, I I told them I will leave, I will quit without having a job yet, yeah. something new yet. I will do it end of um, like in October, end of October I will be gone. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my boss and I was like, I go end of October mm-hmm. and she was like, what do I have to do to, so you stay. Yeah. And we did a list together and she, we, I had, um, they provided me two months off, um, November, December to have a break. They provided me with help for my campaigns. And mm-hmm. like they said, you can have somebody that helps you. Uh, like you can find an assistant actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, uh, you can work 90%. I have all second Friday off, every second Friday off, mm-hmm. things like that. And then yeah. I was like putting my list together again because I, I really like the job yeah. in a way. I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, yeah. It felt right. Um, also the, with my boss, I was like, yeah, let's do this campaign, like this election year together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I put my limit to end of uh, 2019, I will stay, but yeah. I need those two months off. And I went yeah. uh, to Mexico and Cuba and did those travel, the, that traveling and it felt so good. And I came back and I also told myself, 
I will not do a nine to five job out of that job because that will never be a nine to five job, but yeah. I will take it serious, but not that it will be my life anymore. Yeah. And that made it hard um, because I always worked, I was always there. I was um, before, like people could read me in the weekends and the evenings and I stopped that from one to the other and it didn't fell right for me and people were disappointed or like, why now? And, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then my boss quit Okay. for several reasons, personal reasons. And that moment I was like, wow, the one person I, told that I will stay till nine, end of 2019, quit. Mm -hmm. So I can ask the question again yeah. to myself. And it was easy, easy, easy answered. Because also the um, work environment, like in, inside of the company, of the party, um, in our office changed a lot. Um, yeah. uh, and another friend of mine who was a really, really big help for me, um, a colleague quit too. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, I need to go. Uh, yeah. I won't ma make this. Also, my therapist told me <laughs> um, it will be hard for you to do the election year. So yeah. I was like, okay, I need to be selfish now. Yeah. Even if I told uh, like several times, I will not do the same thing the one before me did. Yeah. I will quit. Yeah. So yeah, that was at the end of my decision. And you, when did you, then when was your last day? Um, 26th of July. 26th of July. Yes. That's now we're speaking six at the beginning weeks. of September. So it's six weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Just so long. Wow. Yeah. What have you been, you've been up to in the last six weeks? Oh, I went to the Alps hiking with friends. I, uh, I did with the Global Shapers Burn. We did an open air cinema here mm -hmm. in Bern. And I was three weeks just involved in that. Cool. And I was there uh, for, yeah, for everything. And it was a bit the girl for everything. And it was really intense, really, really cool. I just had time. Yeah. Uh, I went to see my family. Uh, I went on weekend trips with friends. Um, I slept in. I did nothing. Mm -hmm. I watched the whole series of <laughs> This Is Us. Um, really recommending that one. Okay. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. And, no, and now uh, you have still haven't decided what what you will do next. How how you how you how you with how you with the uncertainty actually? And it, is it is it uncomfortable or are you kind of leaning into it and saying I'm going to enjoy this period of the? Unknown? I had to. Um, I have to say to myself, you can enjoy it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes in a natural way enjoy it, mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm, I'm somebody that wants to be needed too. Uh, I like to be, yeah, um, somewhere doing something. And the last, now the second week now that I'm, I don't really have a big project that I'm involved um, and that I have to work for. Um, I have just several small things um, for my for my boards I'm in or something, but not the big things. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell myself that's fine. Yeah. Not because you had I had eleven campaigns and an election campaign mm -hmm. throughout three and a half week, years. Yeah. And it was so much. I was yeah. always involved in like three campaigns at the same time, at wow. least. Wow. And now I'm just, 
not having one that's cool. and uh it's a big step but it, yeah. it feels good it feels that, good i good. feel so not stressed wow. was a really good feeling do you feel like you kind of almost forgot what it's like to not be stressed yes yeah especially here in Bern. yeah I'm the first time I live now in Bern for four and a half years. You suddenly see how beautiful it is. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> in a way, yeah. yeah. I can I can go through shops for two hours and not feeling stressed. That's cool. And that or just go and have a walk around or go into a cafe and um yeah, it's just great. Seeing Bern was always my work and stressful place for three and a half years now. Mm. I'd yeah. never did um vacation in Bern never because i ha i knew i need to leave yeah. otherwise i will not be right. able to cool down yeah. and now i i can be in Bern and be relaxed and i think that's something i need to learn out because i want to have a, a new job here in Bern yeah. and if i don't know that now i know the feeling of being um stressless in Bern And I want to keep that whatever I take next. Okay, cool. I think that's a great place to end it. And I wish you patience and... <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Needed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm sure the perfect thing will come along. Hope so. Yes, I'm sure it will. Well, thank you, Laura, for coming on the podcast. And um, yeah, till next time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Josh. Thank you. Today's quote is from Pema Chodron. There is a common misunderstanding among all the human beings who have ever been born on earth that the best way to live is to try to avoid pain and just try to get comfortable. You see this even in insects and animals and birds. All of us are the same. A much more interesting, kind and joyful approach to life is to begin to develop our curiosity not caring whether the object of our curiosity is bitter or sweet. To lead a life that goes beyond pettiness and prejudice, and always wanting to make sure that everything turns out on our own terms. To lead a more passionate, full, and delightful life than that, we must realize that we can endure a lot of pain and pleasure for the sake of finding out who we are and what this world is how we tick and how our world ticks, how the whole thing just is. If we are committed to comfort at any cost, as soon as we come up against the least edge of pain, we're going to run. We'll never know what's beyond that particular barrier or wall or fearful thing. <laughs>you for listening all the way to the end of this conversation please share this podcast with other people who might enjoy it make sure to also leave a review in your podcast app if you can that helps other people find great content i don't run ads on this podcast but there are two ways that you can support the show and keep it going the first is by contributing directly to the production cost on patreon Statistically, very few people support podcasts directly, which is why most shows resort to running ads. If you want to make sure media is made for you and not to please advertisers, then I suggest you pay for media that you consume. And statistically, out of every 10,000 listeners, 200 might support me directly. 
If these 200 put in $20 a month each, this will become a professional podcast and will continue indefinitely. If you would like to be one of these 200 people, go to patreon.com slash joshlevent. The second way to support me is to make use of my professional services. I am a leadership and life coach. If you would benefit from some constructive conversations about your life and work, go to joshlevent.com slash coaching to find out more about my coaching services. Thank you.